The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture-wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at HuntworthGear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic lookback, and leaf-off imagery, all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. Hey guys, just have a quick announcement. I've got Matt Real from the Wisconsin BHA chapter to give us a quick update about an upcoming event. Matt, what's going on? I appreciate having us, Pierce. Uh, we have the North Country Icebreaker coming up on February 3rd down at Lake Koshkanan. And uh, we're super excited about the event uh, to have a lot of people out and enjoying everything the uh, Wisconsin public waters and woods have to offer. Excellent. What can folks expect from uh, this event coming up? Uh, so the event, uh, again, is Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, it's an ice fishing tournament that hosts all kinds of options. There's multiple tournaments going on, whether you're an avid fisherman or kind of learning to ice fish. Uh, we're going to set up, basically, if anyone's familiar with the lake off Vinnihaha launch, which is on the north east side of the lake um there's plenty of public parking public hunting area there as well and we're going to set up basically a base camp off that for people to check in and spend the day on the ice with us uh in however they see fit and then we'll wrap up the day with a wonderful banquet uh traditional banquet style event at Kashkanan mountains country club which is just up the road about a mile uh with a wonderful dinner presentations raffles all the fun stuff Excellent. That sounds like a blast. If folks want to get more information on this, where can they go to find it? So you can certainly go to backcountryhunters.org slash Wisconsin events uh, on our, our website. We'll take you right to it. There's lots of options. There's a family option. 
uh, where kids basically aren't charged anything for that, but they will have plenty of events for kids as well. There's a table option, which I'd certainly uh, push that one a little bit. Uh, table of eight, get your buddies together and uh, and family, friends, buy a table. You get a little extra bonus for buying a table and uh, should be just a wonderful event. So if you need to find any information through, through the website, there's a QR code to sign up. There should be events, uh, posters at local bait shops, everything like that as well. All right. So that sounds like a fantastic event. Uh, folks, put it on your calendars, February 3rd. Um, look for that information. Go check out the flyer on the website. And we might even be there, believe it or not. We hope you are. And for social media, everything's on our social medias, mainly Instagram. Uh, you can find QR codes, everything to sign up for tickets and get entered that way as well. Excellent. Folks, we'll see you there. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. I'm your host, Pierce Nellis, and with me, back on the line, is Mr. Josh Raley. Josh, how are we doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I wish uh, I wish I had remembered to play the applause uh, little <laughs> track here. Did you even know that I had some of these little tracks here? Hold on I one. I did not, know. I don't get it on my end. Oh, you don't get it on your end? No, no. Oh. Man, the party's on your end, dude. Okay, so it asked me, oh, man, I got to set it up. It's a whole separate thing. That's all right. It's playing on my end. I've got a laugh track. I've got applause. <laughs> I've got it all. You've got a full oh, audience down there with you. Yeah, man. All right, that's unfortunate. Anyway, it's good <laughs> to be back on the show. It's been too long. It um, has been, man. What you been up to? You know, um, I've been really, really busy uh, between – you know, sicknesses um, for our family. We just can't seem to string together, you know, more than four or five days in a row before somebody else is sick. So we've had the flu twice in our home. Uh, we had another instance where for some reason the other day I woke up with a sore throat and couldn't taste my coffee or smell it. Uh, now today my wife can't taste or smell anything. And so we're pretty sure what that means. Cooties. Uh, yeah, we got the cooties. Uh, <laughs> and then last night, the middle of the night, my son comes into our room. I'm not feeling so good. I was like, all right, sorry, bud. Let me get you a trash can. And of course, an hour later, he pukes. And so, man, we just can't string it together where we're not ill. And then in the middle of that, I've been doing a ton of traveling for uh, consulting, which is mm -hmm. great. You know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Consulting has gone um, better than I could have imagined this year consulting with whitetail partners on you know different properties around georgia and south carolina working on some properties in north carolina and alabama and florida uh so it's just been it's been terrific it's been a really great winter uh but really underlines the fact of like why it was time for me to step away from a lot of things so constant right. sportsmen um you know obviously time for fresh blood to take that over just as far as you know me having moved and you, you know, still having your connection there. Uh, but then, but then also the Southern way, you know, I, I hosted the Southern way for a while and I, and I ended up stepping away from that too, just because it was one of the few things that I could step away from, you right. know what I mean? It was a podcast that I had, uh, didn't have any partners on it yet or anything like that. 
the download numbers were certainly there. It just, um, I had taken it over so recently and it was kind of fun, just like mm -hmm. freestyle and not, you know, uh, not having to worry about any of the business side of it. But it was, it was the one thing I could, I could step away from in addition to Wisconsin sportsmen. So, um, I've been busy as all get out and writing up designs and reports for folks and helping people improve their property for whitetails and turkey and did one property that was like, there's going to be alligator hunting on the property and Gee. oil hunting on the property. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. So, <laughs> but man, we've got it, we've got it all designed and it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to send you some pictures of the deer I'm shooting off that place. Uh, Dude, is that the, uh, is that that big property that you were telling me about? It is. It's it's one nine hundred and fifty four acres or something like that. Yeah, uh, and it will have enclosures for hogs because all the hogs on the property are kind of tearing it up. So they will be moved into an enclosure. It will become a high fence property. Mm -hmm. Um, but the deer are super wild. Like <laughs> it is not. It is not what people think of at this point when they right. think of like high fence property because it is. Um, like these deer are spooky. They've been run by dogs forever. Like this is a oh, very really? uh, heavy dog hunting area. Yeah. That's, that's probably 85% of the reason this guy is fencing this place in is because dog hunting is so prevalent where he's at that he wants to be able to control the pressure on his property. He's sure. not trying to necessarily grow 200 inch deer or whatever. He wants to keep the dogs and the, the dog hunting off of his land sure uh, and then obviously be able to control wild pigs as well right um it's a huge concern i mean this property is just demolished as of right now with mm -hmm. uh with you know uh hogs everywhere i think i i told you like several times um while i was there i jumped a bunch of pigs yeah so, um, yeah is that anyway. a pretty big concern for guys down there is trying to control hogs on their property and mitigate yeah. the damage that they're doing yeah, it is. They'll tear up your roads. Like, like you'll, they'll, they'll tear up your yard, man. There, I've heard mm -hmm. stories of people waking up one morning, walking out into their yard and the whole yard be rooted up. It looks like they ran a tiller through it overnight. Um, I've seen food plots destroyed mm -hmm. that, that we have personally planted. You know, you come out and half of a two acre food plot is, is gone overnight. Um, roads that just are demolished within, you know, a couple of days. Um, so they, they can, they can really, really wreak havoc. Right. And, and if you, if you don't get on top of them, they're almost impossible to, to manage because they, they reproduce so prolifically and they're always around like you. So what you take the, the 40 or 50 hogs that are living on, on your property and you get rid of them. Well, that just creates a vacuum and now more hogs from outside move in. So sure. If you don't get on top of them, it, there's a reason. Go look at, at hunting outfitters in the south mm -hmm. that used to run a lot of deer hunts, and now you'll see they're running a lot of hog hunts. And there's okay. a reason for that, and it's not just that hog hunting is awesome. It's in large part because hog hunting, if you can't beat them, join them, and that's what they're doing. Sure. Gotcha. Have you done much hog hunting down there? No, not really. We've always kind of viewed them as a nuisance species, so like sure. just something to be gotten rid of. Uh, it's something like that our raccoons. Yeah, basically, basically, <laughs> you know, I will say that we are. I'm becoming more interested in it as uh, wild game becomes more important to us. I mean, we sure we have whole weeks where we just eat, you know, wild game. So uh, I think it was last week we had, or maybe two weeks ago, we had venison a couple nights. We had turkey two nights. 
we had rainbow trout another night. Like nice. every dinner that entire week was wild game, you know, Dang. and that's, that's important to us. We want right. to be able to do that kind of stuff. And so, um, hogs add to that. Now, when I lived in Wisconsin, pheasants were a big part of that. We ate mm -hmm. a lot of pheasant, um, you know, from one source or another that is now kind of dried up just a little bit. And we're not going to be able to kill as many turkeys down here either, unless I just go on a killing spree across the Southern States, you know, our bag limits are, are, are really being reduced because of Turkey numbers down here. So, um, but yeah, hog hunting is becoming more of a draw to me. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I'm glad to hear that your, uh, that your winter has been so full with, uh, with work and getting the the business off the ground and everything like that. I mean, yeah, dude, that's, thanks, man. it's been fun to watch just seeing the growth and, you know, like, obviously we're, we're bummed to have you, you know, stepping back from the Wisconsin sportsman a bit, but like at the same time, like, you know, we, we obviously stay in touch and, you know, hearing like, yeah, I know I got a, you know, a new property that I'm working on this week and yeah, next week I'm going here and all that stuff. It's just been cool to see. So, I mean, dude, just congrats and good for you on, on an awesome first, you know, full season of, of doing that, man. It's been really cool yeah. to watch. Well, thanks, man. I, you know, one cool thing too, about stepping away from some of the things that I am, uh, is it does open me up to being able to be like, Hey, let's hop back on. You right. know what I'm saying? So like, like I'm stepping away from, from some other things so that I can do some of the fun stuff and like doing Wisconsin sportsman, especially now that I'm doing it with you when I do it, like that has sort of rekindled my, I mean, this is, we've talked about it before. This is like my baby, man. Like right. I, I love this podcast. It was a very difficult decision to let it go. Um, but it would have been a lot harder if I didn't trust that it was in good hands. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, because I knew who I was entrusting it to, like I could feel good about that, but now I get to like hop back on pretty much any time and, and, yes, and, sir. and have all the fun of it at, without the, without the work on the other end. Absolutely, man. Yeah. We are always <laughs> happy to have you on. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, dude, you've been, uh, meanwhile, up North, uh, we've been, in about a foot and a half of snow, uh, watching our Packers season end and freezing our butts off in sub-zero temperatures while you send me photos of your car's thermostat at 57 <laughs> degrees saying, oh, I needed a hoodie today. So yeah, uh, It's been wild, man. <laughs> it did get cold. I will say that. So, like, that day I sent you the picture from the car. It was 65 outside. Mm -hmm. The next day. And I kid you not, the next day was 10 degrees. No kidding, really. We had a 50-plus degree temperature drop, had a terrible storm come through. So, like, it ain't all kicks and giggles, but. All right. Well, that makes but, me feel a little better. Well, but we don't have <laughs> snow, right? Like, we don't. They did close down schools, though, um, because of weather. And it's like, it didn't snow. Like, it just got cold. And they're like, right. oh, nope, we're not doing this. <laughs> so, uh, which, dude. Our kids don't go outside for recess or PE if it's below 42 degrees. Shut up. That's the cutoff, bro. 42 degrees. Are you kidding me? Yes. And do you know why? Because no one down here owns a coat. Oh, my God. Nobody's got more than a hoodie. Why would you ever have more than a hoodie <laughs> for that three days a year that winter comes, right? So, yeah, 42 and they don't go outside. That's absurd, man. That the is absolutely absurd. You know, or zero. Are your kids like, uh, like, are they, are they hardened Wisconsinites at heart? Oh. And they go down there and they're just like, 
this is ridiculous. What are you guys Dude, doing? They hop out of the car in the morning and, you know, people be all bundled, like the, the teachers helping them get out are like all bundled up and stuff. They're like, we're from Wisconsin. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they fully identify as, as people from Wisconsin. Like they don't, awesome. they don't say we're from Louisiana or we're from Georgia. They're like, we're from Wisconsin. Sure. Which I love, and it kind of hurts my heart a little bit because mm-hmm. I loved our time in Wisconsin so much, but you know, we were the only bit of our family that was not in the Southeast. And right. so it's kind of necessity. Yeah. Know, yeah. A little totally, things. man. Anyway. Well, dude, on the note of top or uh, on the topic of uh, cold weather, I had a chance to sit down with Mr. Kyle Tyree of uh, the pretty prominent YouTube channel, Wisconsin Fisherman. We talked some ice fishing this last week. That's what folks have coming up this week um, or right now, at least. Um did you do much ice fishing when you lived in Wisconsin? So, no, I did not. Okay. Uh, it was always, I, it, I don't know, man. I spent a lot of that time and however you feel about this, but like my days that I could that time of year, I was typically shooting pheasants at sure. a, at a, at a preserve. <laughs> I know, Dude, I know that's that, wrong with that. that was all, like once the state season would go out <laughs> or whatever, I'd be, I would be at a preserve shooting pheasants and, and so like, or, or scouting, you know, obsessively scouting. Um, for me, winter was always about like finding the the flocks, man, where are the flocks at, you know, before they break up. So I didn't get a chance to do it. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. And I want to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I didn't really get much into ice fishing. One, it's intimidating because I don't have all the gear and I don't want to just roll up next to some other folks and be like, I'm going to dig a hole right here in the ice and send a line down through it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of good resources out there to really get yeah. plugged. In. And so as I started to try to find people to come on the show and help a brother out, guess what? None of them wanted to come on and talk about it. Now I did have <laughs> um, Sean. Gosh, was that, uh, this is terrible. I think his name was Sean. I can't remember his name right now. If you, if I wasn't trying to say it, I would know it, but uh, he came on the show, did a fantastic job mm-hmm. and made me really confident, but that it was kind of too late at that point. I was already down here. Right. You know? And so, um, right. but dude, it's a tough road to try to get somebody to come on and talk. It I, is. And you know, we were, we were, I think I was texting you about that and how I'm like, man, it's kind of tough finding a, an ice fisherman who's willing to talk. It's like trying to find duck hunters who are willing to talk, man. They are few and far between. It's a tight lipped group, but Mr. Kyle Tyree came on. Um, and dude, like we're on the same w- or same wavelength here. Cause that was my first question for him was like, what are we talking? You know, it seems gear intensive. What do I really need? He dumbed everything down. He explained it all beautifully. Uh, we talked through the gear, we talked through etiquette and everything like that. We talked through what all the fish are doing, why they suspend, uh, just different things to like factor in, um, as you know, lakes and ponds, you know, get covered in ice and gases get trapped beneath the surface, how the predatory fish are shoving all these sunfish around kind of what to expect, where to look for, you know, I mean, everything from, you know, pre-trip scouting more or less, and, you know, kind of using, you know, online depth charts and all that to, if you're just walking out there, um, and you're like, you know what, I've never been here before, but, but here we go. Here's what we need to, to get started. He's an awesome resource. He's also a guide um, in nice. the summer months. He he devotes his his winter months to the YouTube channel. And folks, if you're looking to learn about ice fishing, go 
like and subscribe to Wisconsin Fisherman. You will find it. It looks his logo is like the state of Wisconsin with a hook through it. Um, it, it it's just a phenomenal resource. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I went down the YouTube rabbit hole for the first time in a long time on his channel, and I was absolutely captivated. He's got awesome footage. He's just a super fun, personable guy. Uh, folks, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, Josh, if you're ever back up here in the winter, you're going to have to hit him up and uh, do a little ice fishing with him. We we've, got the, we've got the invite so far. Well, we get, we got to make it happen. I still have an agenda uh, or a, a vendetta against some sturgeon too. So I want to be up there Ooh. for some sturgeon. So it, it'd be good to maybe couple those things together. like Absolutely. And then have the plan where we're going to do some ice fishing because I'm probably not going to be able to spear sturgeon. Just statistically, it's not <laughs> likely. But, you know, I want the experience. So Would your what, wife let you get a full body mount of like a nine foot sturgeon for the living room if you were to get one? She'll let me get one for the basement. Fair enough. <laughs> Take what you can get. Yeah, that, yeah I'm not going to. That's fine. I'll just sit here and stare at it down here. That'd be awesome, man. Well, cool, dude. I'm glad you were able to join for this intro. I'm glad things are going well down south. Uh, folks, mark your calendars. You just listened to an ad, but mark your calendars. February 3rd for the Northern uh, Country Icebreaker with the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers chapter of Wisconsin. It's going to be fun. We're going to do some ice fishing there uh, as well as have a great banquet. You're going to find more info for that. Um, just Google Wisconsin BHA North Country Icebreaker. And uh, we're going to be there. I will be there. Unfortunately, Josh will not be there. Um, but it's going to be a blast. Other than that, Josh, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to get you back. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. Folks, enjoy the episode. All right, folks. This week, I've got Mr. Kyle Tyree of YouTube's Wisconsin Fisherman. Kyle, how are we doing? We're doing good. How about yourself? Doing great, man. I'm glad to have you. Uh, man, I think after... This last week's cold snap, there should be enough ice across the state that it would be appropriate for us to start talking about some ice fishing. What do you think? I think that we're getting pretty close. I seen an update today. Today's the 18th. Uh, Lake Winnebago was pretty much eight inches from Oshkosh to like Fond du Lac or something like that. Okay. And I mean, if Lake Winnebago's got that good of ice, it's, it's happening. Yeah. So... Yeah, I was out yesterday up here. We got about seven inches, six inches on some of the other lakes. But the only thing is, is, you know, you're not going to go out over that 50, 60 foot of water because right. that stuff is what has, you know, two inches of ice, things like that. Sure. So I, I advise people to like stay in the bays. You know, if you're coming off the property, don't go too far out and, you know, to a deeper section of the lake per se. Right. Absolutely. Is, uh, is eight inches of ice, is that truck driving safe or is that you uh, know, still a little dicey that's i i wouldn't uh sure. back when i was young and dumb i drove out and did the ice auger a bunch of holes and uh i cut the first hole and i was like let's t take a tape measure and measure this you know so i could get yeah. a measurement and it was 10 inches and i was like whoa i'm on 10 inches with my truck right now and then i proceeded to drill 127 holes next to my truck <laughs> but <laughs> It, it, it was a nice fine. circle around there were, the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, there were there were people driving all over out there, and, but not in that spot because I went off to the edge and whatever. But, Got it. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't drive a truck out unless there's a foot. 
you know, okay, there's people sure. putting ice shacks out and, and permanents and stuff, but you know, pull them with a four wheeler, you know, the lightweight and stuff and yeah, just yeah. try to be as light as possible. Got it. I like it. Awesome. Well, we kind of, uh, sort of alluded to it there this week. We're talking ice fishing, man. So why don't you just real quick, yeah. uh, give us a quick intro. Who is Kyle Tyree? Where are you from? How'd you get into ice fishing? Holy smokes. Um, that's, that's a lot. Uh, basically <laughs> I've been, I've been fishing my whole life. Like my dad had me out in a boat when I was in a playpen, like I was <laughs> under two years old and I was in the boat fishing and, uh, I just pretty much grew up on the ice, on the water. And, um, when we moved to Oshkosh or, or Amro, I, we lived like right by the Fox river and I was always fishing the Fox river and friends would come down and fish with me. And I was like, how can I share this with more people, you know? And then that's when, uh, you know, the handheld video cameras were coming out, rolling the tapes in them. And I was filming videos on tapes and, and stuff, which I still have. I don't even have them converted yet. That's, that's another day. <laughs> that's the throwback to when, when we throw it back. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I've just, I've been fishing the whole, my whole life and, uh, ice fishing just come naturally to, to, you know, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I just, if I'm not going to be able to fish on open water, I'm fishing through the ice. So that's just what it was. And, um, those, it's been a long time of fishing and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Well, and you know, you mentioned there, you know, starting to film stuff on the old tape camcorders and stuff. You've got some much mm -hmm. more modern equipment and I, you know, briefly skipped over it, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss the fact you've got one heck of a YouTube channel. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I've been, I've been YouTubing for about, I've had YouTube for like 10 years, but I've really been YouTubing the fishing and sharing it hard for about seven or eight years now. Um, yeah, we're up to like 30,000 subscribers. Obviously, you know, we want to keep growing that and the more the merrier. Um, it's all family friendly content. I get a lot of people that, uh, you know, send me pictures of their kids watching the TV, like keeping them occupied on Sunday morning, <laughs> watching the videos. And it's, it's really cool to be able to do that. And that helps, you know, get other people into ice fishing and stuff too. And uh, even, even the people that can't get out, like, you know, there's elderly people that used to love ice fishing and, mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, I, I'm living through your videos because I just can't, I can't anymore. And that's really cool to me to be able to share it. It's just what I've been doing. And, and I, I just like to share super right. cool. Right. Awesome, man. I love that. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it too. And I, I mean, I, I'm just going to plug it right off the bat yeah. here. I found your stuff through YouTube, um, got a hold of you, you know, on Instagram, but you know, I, I was drawn to your content and you through YouTube and just how informative your videos are. Like there, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of, uh, we were chatting about it before we got on, you know, there's not too much fat on them. Like it, it's a lot of, you know, right diving into tactics you know it, it's it's the action right there and i think you know it's yep. it's an awesome resource for folks who are you know whether they're like you said whether they're seasoned ice fishermen who can't uh who, who can't mm -hmm. get out there themselves these days or if it's somebody who's just trying to learn man and uh yeah, yeah uh, it, it's definitely fantastic. what's you the name bet. of that channel again just wisconsin fisherman all right folks we're gonna, we're gonna type in that a lot yeah, type in ice fishing Wisconsin and you just look for the little, you know, who it's by and I should be up in the, I don't know, top 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You do a little bit of guiding too as well, don't you? 
Yep. Yep. So when, when, you know, the videos slow down in the summertime for me in the springtime, I'll, I got a big old tiller boat and I get people in it and just take them out fishing. We're fishing for walleye, smallmouth, uh, crappies, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff up here. Even in the fall, I'll, I'll run some guide trips on muskie and try to get some people on their first muskies and things like that. And awesome. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. excellent. Do you have a, uh, is there a favorite species of yours to, to target? Oh, you know, I really like fishing crappies. They're just, sure. it's one of those fish where you put a bait in front of them, they're probably going to eat it. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, crappies are pretty easy to find. You know, you're going to find them in the weeds in the, in the summertime and, uh, you know, springtime, they're right up on shore spawning just with everything else. Right. Um, it just seems like crappies are easy to stay on all year mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they eat really good too. Um, walleyes are right beside them. You know, walleyes, it's a more challenging fish. Um, but I don't know. I really like the crappie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Dude, mm-hmm. I, I, so yeah, I'm, I've mentioned on here before we were chatting about this beforehand. Uh, my soul has been sold for the most part, at least for now to fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And one of the most fun days I've ever had with a fly rod is harassing crappies in the bays with little tiny woolly buggers because they look exactly like those little jigs that you guys are fishing with and stuff like that but but you can suspend them just enough and then swim them just a little bit and seeing those little dark shadows come up in that mouth just kind of like pop open and suck them in dude i'm I'm right there with you if i had to pick a species aside from trout well behind smallmouth that well yeah yeah there's that (laughs) i mean it's they all swim right (laughs) right exactly well that's the thing yeah anything that swims really depends on the mood for the day right um exactly but man i'm i'll preface it this way i'm gonna ask some dumb questions here and i'm hoping our listeners don't uh don't berate me too much but i'm a for living in wisconsin for my entire life uh i've never pulled a fish through the ice never done it i'm a total newbie total novice ice fisherman um which is why we have you an expert on to uh answer the questions that have been burning you know through my notebook and uh, yeah hopefully other folks exactly. as well and you know if you're if you're somebody who's been fishing your whole life i still i, I can almost guarantee there's going to be something for you here so um that's yeah. the other thing too is um you know the only question that's uh the the stupid one is the one that you don't ask yeah. so i always tell people like if you have any question about anything ask it like you know it's if if you said i'm an expert but that's the thing we're always learning like mm-hmm. i go out you know i was fishing yesterday and i was like why is like why are these crappies i was in 15 foot of water on a basin it was like why are these crappies where they are where they where, where they're at right now yeah it was like you know, and, and, and throughout the day, it's just like, like I said, you're always learning. Like they're getting pushed by bigger game fish. They're pike right behind them. They're just they're wow. getting pushed. Like that's why they were there. So there's always, there's always something to learn. Sure. Absolutely. So man. yeah, fire away with the questions, man. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love that you said that. Cause I think that's something that, you know, it's just always a great reminder, regardless of if you're, you know, fishing or hunting or, you know, whatever you're doing, just like remaining a you know lifelong learner um, yeah. as you're pursuing stuff. I mean, that, that, that's what it's all about, right? Nobody's yep. ever fully got it figured out because as soon as you do, that's when you get skunked. <laughs> yep, yep. We've all been there thinking we know it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think the best place for us to start is going to be gear. I was in Farmer yeah. Fleet last week. I walked 
through a whole maze of ice shanties that were on sale. Um, you know, I, I think everyone's, you know, they see the shanty, they see the striker commercials or the Vexilar commercials um, of the flashers and all that stuff. They see guys pulling, you know, these big sleds out behind four wheelers and all that. It seems like it can, not that any of our other hobbies aren't gear intensive, because let's be honest, they all are. But it seems right. like there's yep. a lot of tech and there's a lot of uh, just just a lot going on in ice fishing. So well, what do I really need to get started ice fishing? And then what's more like if I had to splurge a like little bit? Like more advanced per yeah, se. Beyond my base kit, so this is something yep. that's worth having. Boy, oh boy. Well, you can get really good combos, you know, as far as a rod and reel goes. Um, I mean, you could start out with a schoolies, which is the plastic reel that, you know, has a little pin in it. Mm -hmm. um, you can get a rod with that, has a little spring bobber on it for probably 12 bucks. Sure. Um, and it's going to catch fish. Um, but if you want to go up to like a spinning reel, you know, you're looking at 20 bucks there, probably 30 mm -hmm. bucks for, for a little combo. I would suggest to put different line on it though, like smaller pound tests because you get that donut line that comes yep. on them not the greatest stuff, right. but, um, you know, you get that, you get a five gallon bucket, you get a hand auger, a, a scoop to scoop your hole out. And you see other people fishing in the community hole where there's just ice shacks everywhere. Mm -hmm. Go out there, sit on your bucket, drill a hole, drop that rod down with a little spring bobber on it, grab some waxies, some small jigs and you're fishing. It's, it's that sure. simple. And then after the fact, once you start catching the fish and you're like, this is fun. Then you start advancing, you know, just, to the okay i'm gonna get an ice shack now or you know if you can go fishing with somebody that has an ice shack to to you know see what it's like because a lot of people get turned away ice you say ice fishing the first word is ice they're like yeah. cold so you know if, if like this weekend um the 20th and the 21st of january is free wisconsin fishing weekend so you don't have to have a licensed ice fish or anything like that and you know go out there and explore it try try ice fishing like i was saying go with somebody that maybe has a shack and think, okay, that's the next step. You know, I have a sled to pull the gear out in while well, the shack is in, you know, a few hundred dollars more or whatnot. And you get a little flip over one person. It's, uh, it's not too hard to get into ice fishing, I would say. Sure. Absolutely. You mentioned, you know, the community hole. And I think, I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you live yeah. in Wisconsin, everybody's driven by, you know, that lake or that bay. And there's just a, a small village out on the ice. Exactly. What, uh, what's the etiquette while you're out there in terms of setting up too close to someone? Um, mm -hmm. You know, are, are, do folks get cagey over their their specific spots? You, what's you the... know, some people do. It it really depends if you're talking that community hole or, hey, I want to be on this hump over here, and there's already a guy set up on that hump, and this is a pretty big lake. Sure. Um, that there, there's two different scenarios. If it's that community hole. The biggest thing I always try is to, you know, if somebody, you can't really see their face, you can just kind of see their silhouette, mm -hmm. probably a hundred yards, 80 yards. I mean, some community holes aren't even a hundred yards big. They're right. little baits. Yeah. Um, you know, it, as long as you're not on top of people, I'm thinking 50 feet. That's for the community hole. Okay. Um, you know, because you're going to see how many holes there are. Look at how far their tip-ups are spread out. Sure. Um, you know, if they got a really big spread of tip-ups, just stay outside of the stuff. Try not to, you know, if somebody's got a line of tip-ups going one way, you you don't want to cross those tip-ups to go fish the other side of them. You're going to be, you know, right. fishing the inside or whatnot. Okay. Because um, that'd be claimed ground, I would think. But, right. you know, there's people that'll still go out there and run past them and run over your tip-ups and, 
not even acknowledge that. But that's something that, you know, keep in consideration, you know, it's just kind of the that book of common sense, you know. Sure. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, as far as like, you know, a guy's walleye fishing on a hump, he's set up over here, he's all by himself. He, I would look out there and go, okay, that dude's in the spot I want to be. Where's my plan B? And, right. you know, go down the shoreline and set up further. Okay, sure. But, so yeah, you, you, know. you mentioned the tip up line there. Um, mm-hmm. I think my mic just went crazy there. Sorry. Um, you mentioned the tip up line. Is that kind of a way that people maybe, you know, stake their claim? over a, yeah, over a spot definitely. or is it okay gotcha yep gotcha. so sometimes when i'm out like with a big permanent shack or something what i'll do i'll run tip-ups in a circle but i'm not okay. like you know like exaggerating them further just to have a bigger area you okay, know i'm sure. putting them within a good running distance because you're going to be running to the tip-up or whatever right or, or whatever. Right. but yeah i mean there there are days where we'll run a, a huge long line of yep. tip-ups but that's that's usually up here you're not seeing people that are going to be wanting to come out and fish that same spot. Cause we got a lot of lakes up here. And right. if it's one of those spots where you have a long line and sometimes you have to put them in a line because you might not be able to put them in the circle because there's other people. Right. So there might be people in this community hole and everybody's tip ups are like kind of going outwards and everybody's sure. kind of sitting here fishing bluegills in the center. Yeah. So, huh. yeah. Gotcha. So are, are tip ups a good option for, you know, folks getting into it as well. Is it worth having, you know, one or two of them? I would say, I would say, yeah. Um, okay. the, the only thing about, about a tip up is now you have live bait. You're going to have to bring minnows right. out. Sure. Um, unless you run the old, you know, double hook and you throw a hot dog on it and hope that you catch a pike on a hot dog, right. um, which has been done many times. Um, <laughs> so don't, don't let that fool you. I haven't done it yet, but we're working on a video to do it. Uh, <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I would say, you know, invest in a tip up. You can get the little orange HT tip ups. I don't know, 11, 15 bucks or so. They're mm-hmm. they're not super, super bad. Even at, even a beaver dam tip up's 30 bucks. And that's like that's like the best spool. You know, they're super smooth. The fish pulls yeah. it. They don't even feel the line coming out. Like sure. And that's like I said, 30 bucks right there. They're on sale usually for that. But uh sure. Yeah. I mean, you can get into ice fishing for probably under a grand and yeah. you're gonna have a decent setup. I mean even even finding a used vexlar or a hummingbird like a, like a helix five yep. ice bundle on facebook marketplace um there's plenty of options okay sure that was going to be my next question is what, what do i need to know about flashers mm-hmm. and are they essential right so are they essential it's gonna help you're <laughs> you're gonna have well i'll take that back because some people like absolutely like they love them, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they hate them because they can't get the fish to bite. Like you can see your bait going up and down yep. and you see the fish on it. And it's like, why isn't this fish biting? Right. Um, and that's where, that's when I do a lot of camera stuff. I'll drop the cameras down there. Maybe it's a little tiny bluegill this big that you're marking and that bluegill can't even eat your wax worm. Right. Those fish will still mark. Um, and, and that's sometimes what happens. And um, I would say, you know, it's a game changer when you get some electronics, whether it, whether it's just a Vexlar or you're taking the hummingbird off your boat and you had side image in the summertime and you mark some weed lines, then you're going to go fish those spots in the winter. You know, that's sure you can use, you know, you can use your helixes as well for that. Um, and then you get into the live scope for, front forward facing sonar, the, the more expensive stuff. And, and that's just unbelievable. And, and right. that technology is like, it, it still blows my mind. Like it's, it's crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Aqua, the Aqua View, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a sweet piece of technology. I mean, that's yeah. like that. That's for me, that would uh, that would maybe sway me to do some more ice fishing because just having that, you know, that visual confirmation that I'm not sitting over yeah. nothing and I'm mm-hmm. not just, you know, freezing my butt off, uh, soaking a worm for for nothing. Uh, that would, you know, that. Right. Because, you know, for a while, you know, the couple of times I went. I'm going to put my buddies on blast here. Uh, I, I I was not set up with the best uh, the best instruction. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. It was more like, yeah. well, sit in this hole and uh, see what happens. And so it just felt wait. it felt exactly just wait. It felt a lot yep. like duck hunting through a chimney. I think <laughs> having a visual would be uh, yeah it would be very nice. Um, as far as rods go. Mm-hmm. How do you go about selecting, you know, the right rod for what you're targeting? Yeah, you know, I'm assuming there's still, you know, light, medium, and heavy yeah, action there rods. Is. And it, exactly, you're gonna have your standard noodle rod, like a power noodle. Um, that's gonna have just usually they're 30 to 32 inches. They just have a super flexible tip. Um, mm-hmm. Usually the noodle rods, you know, back in the day I was talking like a spring bobber rod. They'd have, you yeah. know, I I used to take lighters apart, pull the springs out of them, run my line through the lighter spring, and that was the you know, that was the bite indicator. Yeah. Um, and now with, with just like the, the technology, it's not even technology. It's just the, the components of rods. Right. The rods have changed so much that that rod is now your bite indicator. And like, you know, panfish, crappies, bluegills, you know, usually going to use the same rod. If you're fishing like a deeper crappie, you might want like a 34 inch rod. That's more like a medium. So then you have a, a, a little bit heavier tip. And okay. say you're going to be running a spoon or something, because mm-hmm. if you're running a spoon on the power noodles, the noodles will just kind of sit there and sag over and you can't really see the bite. Okay. But with a little stiffer, you still have that little bit of bounce, a little bit of flex, and you can see you can see the bite a little better. And then, you know, you're going into big walleyes or lake trout or brown trout, and then you need a, a heavier rod. You're going to talk yeah. a little bit longer rod or whatnot, too. So, yeah, I mean, there is there is different rods for different applications, but you can typically typically get away with uh, that 32 inch action or maybe like a 34 medium. That's like, you know, standard run of the mill. Sure, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned the the different materials and stuff like that, and the advancements and and all that. Are most yeah. ice rods typically like made out of graphite, like the other rods, or are they so using a softer ha- material that's less so. Uh, snap yes yeah, there is um there's carbon yeah yeah there's <laughs> um what is it called it's a it's a type of fiberglass um it, it's it's a it's a type and it's combined with because because like ugly sticks mm-hmm. you know you can fold them things over that's a pure fiberglass rod yeah um and what they do with ice rods is you can have straight carbon rods or there's a mix of that like it's like a mix of carbon and fiberglass and that's where you're going to get uh, don't quote me on that. It's something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Got um, it. But they are, they do have like the full, um, you know, carbon blanks and things like that. And that's why you see a lot of guys build their own rods and you can buy sure. different colors and things like that too. Um, all the way down to like the little power noodles. And things like okay. That I was talking about. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. 
And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. So for somebody getting into it, what would you recommend as like that first rod? Oh boy. Well, if you're Middle just getting road, into or it, is it, I would go and I would get a 32 inch beaver dam noodle for $16 All right. and slap a reel on it or even buy the combo that comes with the reel. I think if you're like, I don't know, I was in Walmart the other day. And when you go to, when you go to Walmart, you always got to look in the fishing section. Like, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You just got to look. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sure enough, right there, there's the beaver dam combos and I think they were i don't know 24 30 bucks something like that but you okay. can buy just the rod for 16 i know that all right um, and i'm telling you that rod right there is it gets the job done it's a beginner rod and i i still even use one myself sure so, and and they work you know i like it and that'll do everything from bluegill up to crop just screw around walleye. okay all right yeah. sure not like giant walleyes but like right. you know 16 15 inches yeah I yeah. caught a 20 inch pike on mine yesterday, you know, <laughs> right at the hole. He's just hammering away. Sure. Well, that kind of leads us perfectly into, uh, <clears throat> into my next question, which comes into targeting fish. Right. So, yeah. you know, as a, as somebody who's dedicated my past couple of winters to trout, yep. my mindset jumps to, all right, these fish are, they're going to be in those deeper holes so they can stack up, they can stay warm, they can serve energy all that stuff. Now that's in creeks and rivers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Are warm water species doing the same thing? Are they hanging out in those deeper spots or are they, you know, still pretty active below the ice? Right. You're going to have probably there. It's almost split 50, 50 down the center. And it all depends okay. on the lake too. Uh, you're going to see, we've all heard of the basin crappies that just go out to the deepest spot of the lake and they all just stack up. They mm -hmm. sit there. Um, you know, that's, that's going to happen. And then you're also going to have fish that are still up in the weeds. A lot of the weeds die off in the wintertime. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but if you can find green weeds, whether there's a spring underwater and they're getting some fresh oxygenated water and sure. you're, you still have good ice on them springs per se, um, you can find fish. I was fishing yesterday and nine foot of water catching crappies and bluegills together okay. mixed in and further out. So this lake was 27 foot max mm -hmm. i went further out another 100 yards and they're on the live scope there it was you know a thousand crappies at 20 feet sitting suspended so wow. just depends on the lake um but you know like the walleyes bass pike they're usually always going to do the thing where they move up and down throughout the winter you know they come up in the spring say mm -hmm. like we're talking Say we're talking now, like we get first ice and fish are going to come right up. They're putting the feed bag on there right under the ice, probably within even a couple feet of a couple feet of water all the way out to like nah, 14 or 15 feet. Then as the winter progresses, yeah, then fish do usually move out a little deeper. Okay. Gotcha. But, but so, for pan fish and stuff, you're still going to find them up in the weeds still. Right. Right. Always so that, potential. that first ice then, that first kind of cold snap. 
that yeah. brings that triggers them to kind of throw on the feed bag and start usually usually up. usually it's like like the fall you know like people will go out fall musky fishing um you know they're running the big sucker minnows catching you know big muskies on sucker rigs and that time of the year is also a time to catch some of your biggest walleyes um, okay. running jerk baits really slow really slow presentations and then what'll happen we get that first ice we get two three inches you get guys like me that are like we got to get out there we need to get on the weed edges or even up further where the fish are coming up to feed and you're going to catch some big fish early ice All right. and then yeah they they slowly move out okay. like we were out uh, uh, a week ago and we got a sydney caught a 27 inch walleye I got a 24, she got a 25, and then I got a 19 that we kept. But we, like that day, it was, we were, the island I'm in, we were, went out like three days in a row. And then every night the fish moved further and further out. And it was like, because when you go out, usually you're like, hey, this, like this hole is where we caught like the biggest fish. And you're like, we got to put a tip up in this hole. Right. And okay, we'll drill three, we'll drill two more new ones. Or even, you know, if there's more people, more, more new holes. But uh, I always try to keep one tip up in one of the old holes. Mm -hmm. And it seemed every night we went out, then that hole that got hit the day before did not get hit. Like every time it was different. So the last time we went out, we caught all them big fish. I had almost like 30 feet away from the hot hole before I had a new hole. And it seemed like they were just moved further and further out. And that was, you know, a thing like we're getting first ice second ice right now and it's like in a lot of people's brains it's like you know them hey them fish are still up shallow but in realistic them fish are slowly moving out and there's a lot more to do with it than you know some people would think like water temperature is it plays a huge thing don't get me wrong but you also have moon phases um you have wind direction um you know you have what the day was was it a sunny day was it a cloudy day there's a lot of things that go um that factor into you know, what you're looking for each different day. Okay. Gotcha. How closely are you looking at water temp throughout all of this? So in the wintertime, I don't pay attention to it at all. Uh, all right. Summertime, summertime, that's the first, I turn my graph on. The first thing I look at is water temperature in the summer. Got it. That's surprising. I, I mean, I suppose, yeah, you look at the, you know, I mean, <laughs> the there, there's frozen. ice on it. Yeah. It's, it's frozen, right? right. I mean, I, I've never really paid attention to it. Um, but you know, sometimes, yeah, you drop the transducer and you'll get the temperature off the transducer, whether it's like 37 degrees, because obviously the water's warmer under the, under the top layer of ice. But, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never really paid attention to that. And like you said, that's where we go back to, we're always learning deep, you know, pay attention to it. And does it change? Probably. Sure. Absolutely. So how do you go about finding or like deciding where those you know, those hot spots are going to be? Is it based off of last year's stuff? Or if you're someone who, you know, maybe they, you know, fished a lake all summer and, mm-hmm. you know, they had a few hot spots that were great during the summer. Should they go yep. back to those spots and, you know, in now that there's ice or should they? Right. So figure out? it really depends what the hot spot was. I mean, if you're fishing, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, weeds, like weeds are the number one thing. That's where the whole food chain starts. Sure. Um, but if you're talking like, you know, hey, there's a bunch of fish on these fish cribs or or I dropped some Christmas trees here to make some structure. It's it's really interesting to me that throughout, you know, my experience and what I've seen is I have marked many, many fish cribs, lots of structure. And I've been back to that stuff in the wintertime thinking there's going to be fish there and there's not. Um, hmm. It's happened one time on a very small lake where a crib 
uh, and a crib is like, think of like Lincoln logs stacked up, but yeah, they're yeah. telephone poles, you know, they're yep. big cribs. Some people don't, they don't have cribs in other States. Um, so, you know, eight by eight, basically a mini log cabin underwater, the, all the fish are there. Um, in the summertime and then in the wintertime, usually they'll, they'll go out to that base and then they'll just kind of push out. Fish don't okay. need to really eat in the wintertime. Um, they just kind of go into like a hibernation, kind of lethargic. Um, and that's why it's sometimes it's, it's fishing, you know, right. it's, it's tough for them. Um, and that's why early ice is always pretty much the best because they're still chowing down. Okay. Gotcha. So as the season progresses, how does your strategy change? in terms of finding those fish that are willing to eat? Is it more like a, a matter of they're not going to be cruising for food? Like you need to put it right in front of their face for them to be willing to take it or. Right. That... So it really, it really, I don't, that's a good question. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so like, say if I'm going to be like pike fishing, I mm -hmm. always try to pike fish in February because okay it seems like they get more active in February because, um, you know, when you get the season for big game in Wisconsin closes like the first Saturday or Sunday of March, something yeah. like that. And then you can't target big game from March to opener fishing season because they they're putting on the feed bag, they're eating anything and everything. Yeah. And, um, what I'll do throughout the year of ice fishing is like, say for Pike, you have to think of like, what is that fish's next step? Um, and that's why late ice for crappies and bluegills, it just gets crazy good again, because the, maybe it's the water temperature. Like we were talking about, maybe that, that all that snow is melting. That's changing the temperature of the water and then fish, then fish are starting to warm back up and they get hungry. You know, that's, that's a mm -hmm. really good, probably point to think about. Sure. But, uh, that's fascinating, man. What it, I was going with uh, the pike thing there is, um, you know, I'll start fishing pike more um, closer to the closing date because you're going to usually get more action. I mean, you can go out and catch pike pretty much any time, sure. but you start getting the big ones when, you know, when it's getting time to, for them to really, really eat. Right. Absolutely. So how does your approach differ? This is, it's funny. And I'm like, I haven't thought about, uh, you know, like fish cribs and people throwing Christmas trees out and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking yeah. like back in high school when uh, I'd go up with a friend who lived up, at a cabin up North and everything, we'd go fish up there and like, we knew where all the stuff was. And so I'm, I'm trying to throw my brain back into, uh, into still yeah. water mode again. Um, right. But how does ice fishing differ when you're going from lakes versus on rivers? Is it still the same kind of thing of, you know, kind of a, a warm water tactic where you're trying to get up above a big hole and, you know, you drop know, something down in there. I don't do a lot of like frozen river stuff. Um, okay. It's not going to know that one. Sure. Um, you know, the Mississippi will have them back bays and things like that. But yep. once you're doing that stuff, you're, you're basically, you know, just going out and fishing at that point. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's frozen water. You're not going to be on any like current stuff. Right. You know, if you're, if you're on a river and you have current and your baits flowing down below you, that's I'm, I'm, I'll try it out, but it's probably not for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I wasn't sure if it was a matter of, uh, yeah. F like getting in those backwaters where things. Yep. Bays and things like that or marinas. That's going to okay. be really yeah. going off the rivers. You know, you got a marina that comes in and marinas are deep. A mm -hmm. lot of the fish will try to get out of the current and they'll push into right. little dock systems. 
and that's a thing that you know if you can get into them that you know are like public and whatnot you can you could sit on the edge of the dock and, and jig off the side of the dock you don't even have to you know step on the ice right gotcha mm-hmm. that's super interesting yeah i I just had no, like I said, total knobs. Yeah. I had no clue, man. Yeah, um, you, you don't want to be fishing on current on a river, but you, usually the rivers do freeze up good enough to sure. do some fishing on them. But right. I just don't really. Yeah, got it. Um, you mentioned earlier that like there'd be a, a school of crappies, you know, those basin crappies that are, you know, suspended at 20 feet. What yep. causes fish to suspend? Or why Oof. are they in... Why are they at 17 feet today when yesterday they were, and I don't even know if this is something that they would do right. yesterday, that's, they that's, were up at five feet. You know what I mean? Is it, it's right. gotta so be I don't something think it, temperature related, right? Yeah. I don't think it's that drastic of a change, but it, okay. it does, it's going to definitely have to play with temperature. And the other thing you have to think about is oxygen. Um, a lot sure. of people think, Hey, when a lake, you know, oh, the lake froze out a couple of years ago, like they think from top to bottom, she froze solid. Right. That did not happen. That's not what happens when a lake freezes out. The oxygen in the lake gets so low mm-hmm. that that the fish die. Right. Um, and, and there are fish that are resilient to that, to where, hey, you might see a bunch of bluegills and bass floating up, but then you go out in the spring and you catch like 100 pike. Pike right. are resilient to freeze outs. Um, and that's, again, low oxygen. Interesting. Um, and you'll see that throughout the year as the fish, they'll actually work their way up and then fish will become if it's bad, like a lot of snow, we had it last year. We had a couple lakes freeze out that I was on yesterday catching fish still. Um, but when the weeds die in the lake, the weeds let off a gas and that gas is not good for the fish. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and there's a whole, whole conglomerate of things that add up. I'm not a fish biologist by any mm-hmm. means, but I've seen it for long enough that you, you kind of figure it out in right. a little bit, you know? But gotcha. uh, yeah, so as that... far as you know, the fish being in one spot to the next spot, it, it's going to be oxygen. It's going to be all sorts of factors. Okay, got it. That's fascinating, man. And I, I, I've heard of folks going out to like aerate their ponds in the winter, yeah. like going out with an yeah. auger. Is that basically what they're doing? Is they're just drilling yeah. holes so that that they're gas drilling from holes, the weeds can the water, getting gases out potentially, and um, okay. you know, letting water touch oxygen. And sure. just that little bit of transfer helps. Interesting, man. Mm-hmm. Huh. Pretty wild. That's really wild. I had no idea. I've, I've like heard of it, but I, mm-hmm. I really didn't realize like the actual implications that it had. Yeah. Um, so last year I filmed a video on the channel and I talked about Lake. I said like the title of the video is like, what is Lake Freeze Out? And, and sure. I was in a little pond. And I bet you that thing was 30 foot deep right off the edge of the road. I mean, the road kind of snakes through it. Yeah. And Sydney and I, my wife, we were driving best like, hey, let's check this out. Let's go drill a hole out here. Like, I've never been here. Like, it's literally you park the truck, walk out, drill a hole. So I did it. I put the put the live scope in and we were in like 20 feet of water. I'm like, holy yeah. smokes. Like, okay. And the fish were, you know, they were down at like, I would say like 18 or so, just kind of hanging out. Dropped sure. a little spoon down, boop, little tiny crappie. Okay, like that's what they are. Mm-hmm. So I went back to that a couple weeks later. All them fish were five feet under the ice. I dropped my camera down. I did the video talking about lake freeze out. And that's when the fish were working their way up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's when, you know, if you see that in a lake, you're catching fish right underneath the ice. You might want to pop a bunch of holes, start drilling. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it might help. 
Huh. So they're so they're going <laughs> further up to get closer to oxygen. Or that's their Correct. hope. Or okay, yep. gotcha. So they're not like yep. slowly dying and starting to go belly yeah. up. No, they're they're, they're slowly <laughs> working their way up because that's okay, just got that's it. where the oxygen is at in the lake. And as the weeds die off and stuff, that all the gases build up, and then that's where sure. you'll see your your freeze outs and stuff. Quote unquote, dude, that is out. fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. holy smokes! So we had a lot of that last year with the big snowfalls that we had and the little ice and uh, yeah, we've seen we've seen a little bit of it. Okay, now we'll obviously like having a spring that pumps into a lake. Um, yeah, that's gonna be putting warmer water in or, you know fresher water into a into a body of water yep say there's a a lake that's got a spring way down at the bottom it's like you know 35 40 feet deep or something like that yep. is that going to be providing enough oxygen to help mitigate some of that or is it i would uh, think so i would think okay. so definitely um sure. actual one of the lakes that froze out last year has a, a, a really good spring in it but it's a shallow spring okay. um so, I mean, this lake is probably three, 400 acres yep. and it's only a max depth about 20 foot and over on the one end, it does have a spring. It's, it's really like weedy. There's, there's like weed beds and that doesn't freeze up that well, but that just, since it's almost touching the surface, it didn't provide yep. enough oxygen to the rest of the pumped out to the rest of the lake right. under the ice. And you know, that's why we, that lake still froze out. Okay. Got it. Well, fish, but, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I was thinking there was there was you know three four pound bass stacked along the shoreline. There were bluegills, there were crappies, and uh, like I said, I was out there yesterday and I had I probably caught 15, 20 crappies, you know, ten inch, eleven inch, like yeah. slaps, but good fish, good eaters. Yeah. So I mean, they're still, and that's the thing that happens too. Is it's just a natural cycle, you know. The lake freezes mm-hmm. out; it, it, it needs to because there's too many fish. Right. Um, you know, that'll burn fish off; they'll die, and then the next spring, next summer, them fish, the fish that are still alive have that much more room to grow, more oxygen right. to grow, and and maybe there's more bait for them. And you can see lakes turn around really quickly. Interesting. Well, just because of that reduced pressure on the food. Right. And and this would be in like smaller lakes, you know, not right, like right. Any huge. You know, yeah. yeah. Got it. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. It's wild. Yeah. Is fishing near springs in the creek or in uh, i keep wanting wanting to say creek in a lake um is is fishing near a spring head or where a spring pumps into a lake is that a good place to start as long as the ice is thick enough near it like do fish navigate towards those or yeah if you know that's the thing about it though is you don't want to fish on a spring you know the ice isn't going to be good you know you have that there's current Mm -hmm. um but if you can find one or like somebody's keeping a lake aerated, you know, get off the edge of that where there's still going to be good ice. I mean, it's going to be a spot that I would definitely be intrigued to try. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, go right there, um, you know, but it's definitely a spot to try. Got it. So say somebody's going out there, uh, you know, first time or they're just going to a, to a, a lake you know, for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. How are you picking your first spot? Oh boy. What are you keying in? Are you looking at uh, you know, depth maps yeah. ahead of Definitely. time? Okay. I, I would. Um, it, it really depends whether there's, you know, points are a really good spot for fish to be in lakes. Um sure. the thing about points is you have two edges, and usually I always talk about weed edges. Usually both of those weed edges will hit that point and you'll have a deeper weed edge off of yeah. that. 
um, that's a good spot for say walleyes, you know, if you're going to do some walleye fishing or maybe even target some bass or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, it really all depends what you're going to go for. You know, if I'm fishing pike on tip ups, I might look for, um, a bunch of cattails, kind of a reedy bay. That's like a five foot bay, right. um, you know, something like that. But as far as, you know, you just got your big old bowl of a lake and you're going off to catch bluegills and crappies, you just go off the land and just start working, working your way out. Okay. Gotcha. So start near, if there's, say there's like fallen trees or something like that sticking through the ice that you can see, are you keyed in on any of that stuff or is it more so just find a point, find a, you know, find a point or find a little back bay, you know, find something that's nine, 10 foot deep. Okay. Um, you can even, you can even fish in five, six foot deep, you know, you can, oh, and back, back to, you know, if you need a, a Vexar or electronics, mm-hmm. I used to lay on the ice and look down the hole, sight fishing. I used sure. to jig the line like this. I'd be watching it. You're in three to five foot of water. Yep. You're just jigging that line and you're watching, you watch bluegills come up and watch them eat it. Boom, set the hook on them, bring them up with your hands. <laughs> Boom. You got a bluegill, put it back. So, I mean, you can catch fish in shallow water. They're, they're going to be there. Sure. Um, so yeah, always just, just start out, you know, start out shallow and just slowly work your way deeper. You'll probably, if, if a guy's just going out to eat and wants to catch 10, 15 crappies to, to eat, I would say go out to that deeper hole and, you know, Aaron Weaves doing his whole barometric uh, pressure or not barometric pressure, barotrauma um, yeah. on crappies saying, you know, how many of them are dying that you're putting back, but, you know, go out to the deepest spot of the lake, whether it's like a 30 foot hole, usually and you're going to find the crappies just stacked. So catch right. a couple eaters and be done. What's the barrel trauma? So barrel trauma is, you've never heard that? I have not, no. Okay, so barrel trauma is is uh, the bends. Like somebody oh, goes okay, down sure. deep and they come back up and they're all wonky. So gotcha. basically fish have swim bladders in them. And as that yep. swim bladder, you know, they, it, it happens the same thing. Right. Um, so Aaron did a video where he caught a bunch of fish at like 36 foot and he let them go and you, you watch them swim right back down, but he closed the mouth. He did a really nice video on how to, uh, you know, let that fish go. And he followed them down on the live scope within a minute or two, not even that this fish were back at 35 foot again. Typically a guy, normal person would, you know, if you're fishing there, throw it, grab the fish, take a picture of it and just kind of toss it back in the hole. And what happens is those fish just kind of go up under the ice and they just sit there and they die because they're out of the water too long. They, they had air in their mouth as Aaron was stating in the video. Um, oh, okay. But there, he actually just released a video today about like the uh, long-term effects of that, uh, the barrel trauma on the fish. And that was, uh, I haven't got to see it yet, but cause that was the biggest concern is, okay, well then fish swam back, but what about, tomorrow how is that fish going to be is it stressed out things like that right you know interesting but yeah usually you know the deepest spot of the lake you're going to find fish stacked up in it usually Mm -hmm. okay gotcha so i mean that brings up an excellent point to what is good practice when handling fish that you're planning on releasing um when you're ice fishing good practice yeah is, is just getting the fish back as soon as you can. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, obviously you get a big fish. You want to take a picture of it. You want to show everybody, you want to share that experience. That's why we videotape, you know, like, like I say, um, but it's all our main goal. Like as we're like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, quick, take a picture. Our main goal is to get that fish back a sap, yeah. like right now. Yeah. Um, you know, even if, even if you have to like 
dip it in the water for a second. I don't know if you've ever seen a fish heartbeat, but their heartbeats, they're cold blooded. It's super, mm-hmm. super duper slow. So even to lay that fish back in the water and it can get some, you know, water, you know, some oxygen back again. Right. But uh, typically just as fast as you can. Absolutely. Like we, we take like one, two, three pitchers, bang, 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 bang. Here we go. And then it's, it's right back. Right. Um, yeah. So got it. That's, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that we always preach that too when we're when we're going for trout and and whatnot. You know, still get the hands wet, keep them in the net as long as you can. And obviously, yep. it's got to be honestly a little bit nicer when you're thinking if you're you know in a shack that's maybe a little bit warmer. I don't know what effect that would have on the yep. fish, but you know when you're yep. outside the shack, if it's it does, it has degrees. a big effect. If it's if it's like right now, it's you know uh, negative five outside. Right. You know, you pull a crappie out, you unhook that fish. You take a picture with it. All you have to do is look at that back tail. And if there's a white outline around that tail, like that fish is already starting to freeze. You've, you've really? seen, you know, somebody has long hair. You go outside for a second after a shower and your hair's like frozen. Yeah, yeah. That's happening to that fish's fins. It's happening to the eyeballs. So, I mean, if you're handling fish outside and it's super cold, they have like, I don't, do they just go back in or bring them into the shack so that fish can be warm if you're going right. to be you know, taking a picture with it or something, right. but if it's Absolutely. super cold, not a lot of people are out fishing when it's that cold anyway. That's but true. Yeah. There's uh, you know, there's, you have to think about that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great tip right there. And, you know, like you said too, and you know, for folks who are out there by themselves, you know, switching the, switching the phone to video mode, because yeah. you can always go back after you've, you know, held that thing up, you know, one, two, and three, just grab a right screenshot there. of exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. For sure. Yep. For sure. And we do, we do that sometimes too. We're like, right. okay, well, oh, we look at our picture like, oh, we don't got no good pictures. Okay. Check the video. Right. And, and that might happen sometimes you might not have good pictures because we're, we are always in a rush to get the fish back. Like we right. look at the picture like, oh man, or we're like, oh, that turned out really good. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> one of the, it's a 50, 50 shot. <laughs> right. Right. I like it. That's awesome. You, you okay. go on, you know, you go on your phone, you're like, oh, Hey, that's a nice, you know, a nice crop or whatever. You got like seven pictures of the same fish because you're like, bang, 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 bang. Yep. Okay. Let it go. <laughs> we should have a good picture. Right. Right. <laughs> what happened to, you know, the, the disposable cameras are rolling it up. Okay. One, two, click, boom, one picture. That's all you got. You used right. to get, you know, so. Yeah, that's but funny, man. Yeah, it's always like the, about the the fish, you know, health and safety of the fish is getting it back ASAP. Right. Yeah, man, that's hilarious. I'm starting to think <laughs> of like like my camera roll at the end of a season and stuff, and you go back mm-hmm. through it, and you've got like four pictures of the like they're identical, the same they're fish. Identical. Like I was just trying to make sure I got it so we could get home. <laughs> yep, definitely. I hear you there. Then you, yeah, I got eleven thousand pictures on my phone that I got to go through, and then. Holy tell you smokes. what guiding people and, and taking yeah. pictures of people too it's like just loads up the phone <laughs> well, you never know when you're gonna need it that's the thing yeah. at least that's yeah. what you tell yourself and then <laughs> right yeah i love it um so let's let's talk about food sources here and Ooh, okay. what fish are eating uh you know what kind of bait are you using or lures um you, know, you mentioned spoons we talked waxies a little bit i know the yep the summertime go-to for most is uh night crawlers and all that. What are, what are fish eating this time of year? Um, you know, is it the same stuff that they're eating during the summer or is it for right. the most part? Uh, so like with, with your predatory fish, your game fish, you're going to, they're always going to be eating the smaller minnows. Um, sure. whether a minnow is a baby perch fry or mm-hmm. even like walleye fry, crappie, bluegill, little young, young of the year. Um, 
your predatory fish are always eating that, uh, obviously. But, you know, when you look at crappies and bluegills, they're eating microbacteria, stuff that stuff that we can't even see, you know, they're just kind of gulping in. Like you're, right. you're a big trout guy and you see mm-hmm. them, they're you know, five pound and... trout, they're eating them little tiny mayflies. Like yeah. it's, um, or, or whatever, but it's, it's all little bug stuff. And as far as baits go, you know, that's why we have little tiny tungsten jigs. We can get down to them fish fast. Mm-hmm. And whether you have a little plastic on it, that kind of imitates some type of a little fry or, uh, you know, some type of, bacteria in the water and not even it's not even bacteria it's it's microorganisms and things like that it's just, right. it's the whole food chain from from the plankton to the next thing to the next thing and like i said i'm not a fish biologist but it, it you know they they have to eat um but throughout the winter time also like like i was saying the fish do slow down and they don't really eat as much as they typically would right um and that's where you'll have, you know, the fish that just go out into the basins and they just kind of roam and the big predatory fish kind of push those fish around. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different things. Of course, you know, if you're going for the predatory fish, you're going for pike, bass, um, walleye, you're going to be running live bait, whether it's mm-hmm. shiner minnows, sucker minnows, uh, things like that. So gotcha. otherwise, you know, I usually run plastics because, you know, it's kind of, for me, it, I, I leave the house and I get right to the lake, but like yeah. the guys that are like, Hey, you know, it's Saturday morning. I'm uh, we're going to run to the gas station. We're going to get snacks. We're going to pick up bait. You know, mm-hmm. you're grabbing minnows, you're grabbing uh, wax worms. There's also spikes or some people call them some type of like larvae, but spikes yeah. are like little, little, um, just little maggots. Basically they turn yeah. into flies. And uh, I really like those because they like, they're really tough. And sure. almost like when you put them on the hook, you almost kind of got to like just get a little bit of thumb skin on the hook to push it through to break it, break okay. its skin to yeah. get it onto the hook. But um, yeah, I mean, just small presentations for the panfish, things like that. Or Sure. And are they, are you using much like scent on your, on those like jigged, um, no. you know, whether it be waxies or, or what have you? I don't. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot of guys out there. There's a, there's a thing called like Billy rub scent and a lot of people okay. swear by that. And sure. I've never really tried it for myself, yeah. but, um, you know, there, there's, 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 it's just something I don't really do. Um, right. some of the plastics I run are like a scented plastic. I run a lot of like panfish plastics. Okay. They make sure. And make some good stuff. Got um, it. and yeah, some of it, I pull it out of the package if it, it smells good. It smells good. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, um, I just get it down, get it on the camera and I'm watching how that fish interacts with that bait on the camera and whether I need to change it up, try something different or, or, you know, switch from plastics to live bait or, gotcha. you know, always kind of watching the fish behavior, see what's going on, see what the fish is like and things okay. like that. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the, what the, uh, the real attractant was there. Cause you know, we, we got our, uh, you know, big grape scented, uh, you yep. know, worms and stuff like that that were thrown for bass in the summer and and all that i wasn't sure how much of that was being uh and you know, some of that stuff too and we both yeah how much is it like a gim- gimmicky you would right, say right like, i was just about to actually say. work <laughs> yeah right like we both got you know partners in the fishing industry and uh i think we can both attest to the fact we're not going to name any names but some of the stuff is uh designed to catch more fishermen than it is fish yep and, yeah you'll have that but, um, I got a question for you here on food with my, uh, 
just with my trout brain on the on the note of you know those little larvae yeah. and those bugs and all that stuff have you ever tried fishing with like a nymph like a, a nymph imitation fly or anything like that or jigging with one or anything like that because i would imagine so, it no should no work i'm not quite sure what what you would describe a nymph as um is, is like almost like a like a caddis fly thing it would like look a, like yeah like a caddis like a mayfly larva okay, so yeah um, i have i have done things like that before okay um, gotcha and the only thing about it is they're so lightweight yep. that they don't go down the hole right. so if i have a like a super tough bluegill bite watch there's a lake by me that has giant bluegill and i just you put a jig down on a plastic and a wax they'll come up to it they'll look at it they ain't doing nothing they're not yeah. gonna so what I do is I'll tie, I'll tie one of them little flies up the line, just a little higher, yeah. just do a polymer knot, tie it into the line. Then you got your, basically it's a drop shot, but you yeah. have two hooks. Now the thing about running two hooks in Wisconsin, two separate hooks, that counts as two lines. I always say this in my videos. So if I have two tip ups out and I'm running a hook and a hook, you're over your line limit. Like you're legal. Sure. So you have to think about that. If you tie that second hook on your line, but getting back to that, um, it's super, super finesse. And sometimes the, the bluegill will come in and they'll look at that jig in a plastic and just five inches up, I got that little fly and I'll just drop down really quick and I'll put that fly right in their face and just kind of just twitch that fly. And they're like, yeah. oh, this is totally changed back yeah. to natural, you know, and then yeah. just pick them off like that. I've done, done that uh, multiple times. I'm, I'm working that. on catching two at the same time and progressing to three fish at the same time that that's gonna be a video <laughs> dude i got yeah. my first double um fly fishing in like eight years of doing it last summer and it was How? just like i so i'll run uh call it like a dry dropper but basically you have a, a dry fly sitting on the surface usually okay. just do some sort of like a, a stimulator like a you know our classic hippie stomper or a humpy or just like a beetle pattern and then off the bend of the hook, I'll tie a little bit of uh, tippet down to a nymph down below. And I okay. think the trick to it is you need them to eat the surface fly, at least for trout, you need them to hit the surface fly first so that yep. then that nymph darts upwards. And then that triggers so they're, they're that missing the first. They're missing the first bite? No, if one eats the first fly and then yep. the second fish that's like, say they're stacked up, that first Ooh, one will okay, hit the Okay, that's how you're getting your double then. Yes, and then that, that will then jerk the the nymph up because they you know because then they they, something's happening they're like we need to eat like exactly well it's like jigging like you would you know and you know they they if they're looking at a bug right let's say it's something that's like crawling around on the bottom of the lake or the bottom of a creek or river what have you yeah when that thing goes to hatch it's starting to swim up and so a lot of times what i'll end up having is just you know my nymph it, you know, I'll run it through a pool. I don't know how many times. And before I move on, I'll throw it up there and then I'll kind of just slowly lift it or I'll drag my yep. line across the water to just give that nymph a little bit of swimming up. It's natural. Motion. Yep, exactly. Yeah, a lot of times that sure. they just, they can't resist it because they're just like, oh, that looks exactly right. I'm going nice. to go for it. Nice. So I wasn't sure if that was, uh, if yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to tie up some super heavy nymphs and send them up to them. And uh, you can, I'll you can test get them back out. to me. All right. I'll test All them right. Out. <laughs> I'm hit the vice after this. Otherwise, uh, come on up and uh, I'll take you trout fishing. You'll catch your first fish through the ice. We'll make it a trout. 
So, Deal. Yeah. That sounds good right. to me, man. <laughs> Deal. Um, are there best, so you mentioned like first ice and, you know, last ice and stuff like that. Yeah. Are there ideal conditions, you know, specifically or times of day that, you know, the fish are most active? You know, it, it depends on the species of fish. Um, typically you're going to have your good morning bite, um, midday, if a guy's going to run tip ups, pike are always going to eat bass are usually always eating mm -hmm. bluegills, crappies. Yeah. You'll get a hit and miss walleye, but you know, walleyes are going to be typically morning and dusk fish. Um, but you know, you can usually go out, catch bluegills all throughout the day, crappies all throughout the day, sure. pike all throughout the day. But, um, as far as like conditions go, you know, late ice, early ice, um, it, it, as long as you're out there on the ice is all that matters you know okay, um, gotcha when when we talked about like temperature kind of earlier mm -hmm. on um and in the it plays a big game uh towards late ice is is i was thinking that warmer water yeah. um then fish usually come up a, a little bit uh they they come up closer to the surface than what they are um throughout the ice season you would say okay got it I like it. Um, let me see. I just had a question and it totally just went and floated right into my head and then just immediately floated that out. That happens oh, all the time. There um, it is. How much do you rely on I and <laughs> not to not to ruin a, a relationship with whatever bait shop is closest to you? How much mm -hmm. are you relying on bait shops or fishing reports or anything? Obviously, you know, it's a little different for you as you're out on the water a lot more than most. That, folks. That's the thing is, is, I mean, I'm, I'll hear a couple buddy, I'll talk to some buddies and, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, what'd you see out on the lake this weekend? Um, as far as bait shops go, I, I rarely talk to them unless I'm going in there getting bait. Okay, um, sure. Sometimes they'll be like, Oh yeah, you know, Hey, a couple out of towners were in here and said they did really good over here. Right. And the thing about it is like, I have such a tight schedule of where I'm going to be at, what, mm -hmm. what ideas I have in my head and what I want to do that. Hey, if they had a good bite over there, they had a good bite. I'm not going to go and, you know, get on it because I heard somebody say that because right. we're all fishermen. I mean, I, I don't, I don't ever really do it, but like, you know, you get the guys that are in the bait shop and they're like, Oh yeah, we're out on this lake, you know, and they get back in the truck and they're like, ha ha, we told them we were here. And you know, there's, <laughs> there's that dishonesty that, that, that some never happens <laughs> about fishing spots. And, and I, I really, I, I'm, I'm not one to like fib or tell a lie, but, mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, just, I just don't tell. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't make it into a lie or anything because I don't want to tell somebody I was over here. And then, you know, the next thing people are doing it and, and, they were there because of me and you know they didn't catch no fish right but i'll give you all the tips on how to how to get to where to go and everything like we're talking about <laughs> right but uh, as far as the bait shop stuff goes um you know it's they're really good with ice reports because people mm -hmm. are going to be coming in you know that's something you don't want to you're not messing around with ice conditions there um but as far as you know usually the bait shops are going to give you the community hole where where everybody knows that hey they're on the mill pond down the road where right. everybody's catching copy bluegill perch it's it's good for the first month of winter and then after that it kind of gets fished out it's really pressured and the fish just shut down right and it's not good again until ice starts melting you get late ice and then the sure. fish start popping up they get hungry again and you can get back out there and that's the thing too a lot of the times that people will just disappear off of that stuff you don't see anybody out there for a couple of weeks 
go and hit it like mm -hmm. them fish you know they might bite again yeah yeah how often or i guess how long do you think it it takes for a a lake or a pond or a bay or whatever to recover after it's been pressured a bunch you know it, it depends whether it's a, a bay or a pond or a lake okay, sure. um, all of them have their own factors if it's a bay of a lake you're gonna have other fish that circle in there usually or if it's like a river bay things like that then mm -hmm. those fish are always moving okay. um whether it's a, a pond or a lake a smaller lake per se i mean you could get guys that are on a hole and, and you hear of, of lakes that were really really good and then they're just not good anymore and that's happened up here to a couple spots that were we had really good bluegill spots and probably this was like six seven years ago we went out there and you could usually catch a good bucket of bluegills and the whole town heard about it and we pulled up and i counted like 11 trucks and i counted 25 people on the ice Jeez. and you think 25 people all keeping 25 fish that lake was gone that winter right. and it's been like i said now six seven years i haven't even been there and i used to go to that lake all every every year i went to that lake and i haven't even been there dang so, man um usually i would say if about five to six years for a lake to actually full circle come back around hey we're out there in that same area again the fish are doing the same things because it's just the bait it's it's the process of a fish life cycle right you right know, totally. they're gonna do the same thing they did before it just takes huh. time for them fish to grow and to get that caliber of size again that's the only right thing. right gotcha jeez man yeah so if it's the kind of thing you know where say it's a spot where you're seeing a ton of pressure out there yeah would you and obviously there's a caveat to everything would you encourage folks to maybe not keep a full limit oh yeah oh yeah all yeah. the time um i really like what wisconsin is doing i mean maybe personally because like they're doing 10 fish pan 10 fish limits for panfish. Yep. um on on some lakes up here as well as 15 fish limits um whether it's sure. five crappie five perch five bluegill that's right. your 15 that's all you can keep um and it has to be five of each um some lakes are 10 panfish so it's you know five crappie five bluegill you're done right um i i personally like that um you know in wisconsin we're allowed three lines in minnesota they're only allowed two lines and yeah. and in the summertime they're only allowed one Wisconsin, we got three all year long. So we're, we're already overfishing other states per se by, by mm -hmm. then looking over at, towards Minnesota. Um, so in my eyes, I think, you know, in, it's not like the old days where people were like, Hey, we're going to go ice fishing this week and we're going to catch pike and bluegill because we need food, right. you know, back, back, you know, back in the day kind of things. And, and we're talking, you know, 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. even even 30 years ago that's that was before sonar before cameras that's when lakes were good you could go out and fish and catch fish without electronics because they were there and right. then you know that everybody's keeping fish and it slowly just diminishes and that's why you look up at canada all the guys on canada youtubes are hammering fish because there's no pressure on them out there yeah right and Absolutely. they have fish yeah so and there's a yeah, couple things uh, that it's crazy. <laughs> a couple but I, things. I would say, yeah, uh, smaller limits would be nice. Okay, sure. I like it. Yeah, man, there's a couple things that came to mind there uh, as you're talking. One, Minnesota's probably got that, you know, 
reduced line limit because they in fact actually have fewer lakes than Wisconsin. So, you know, that makes sense, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> my old roommate's going to be pissed at that, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I tell you what, my dad just moved to Arkansas is in the process. There's no, there's no line limits in Arkansas. Jeez, really? You could, you ever seen them guys running them crappie rigs off the front of the boat and there's like seven. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, how long is it going to take until there's no crappies down in the south? You know, right. like it's just, I don't know, but they have warmer water. The fish can grow faster. True. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. The fish don't really have a winter that they have to survive through. They more just, yeah, gotta... they're always eating. They're always growing. Right. Huh. Have you so, noticed a significant uptick in pressure over the last couple of years? Um, just the number of people coming up there for, and obviously COVID I would, was I would its say a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, even with, with guiding and stuff, you know, I've, I've taken up my fair share of people out fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as like pressure from other people goes, I mean, it's, I would say it's about typical right now, maybe, a, maybe a few more boats than there used to be. Sure. I would say by maybe like in one spot or a, a, a general size lake, like on a weekend instead of there only being a couple. Now there's maybe five, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Got it. Huh. Another random thought I had. How long do you give a spot before uh, relocating? So uh, ice fishing, I would say an hour. Okay. Um, at least an hour. And I talk about this, actually, I'm editing the video currently. Uh, that was just the yesterday video. Uh, I talked about sitting and how them predatory fish like the pike and bass will push, will push panfish around a lake. And if you're sitting in one spot and you'll notice, oh, bang, 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 we just caught five, six bluegill. That was sweet. And mm -hmm. then now it's dead. And then if you could time how long it takes for those fish to come back around, Oh, 20 minutes. Here we go. Fish are coming in. Bang, 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 bang. You might as well just pull your jigs out of the water and sit for 20 minutes and wait for them fish to come back around. Um, huh. Because it's just, it's just what they do. They just make rounds. They do the circles. Um, and that's another thing with live scope, you know, finding a spot you can say, Hey, there's, there's fish 70 feet away. Well, as soon as you go and drill on them fish, they're gone. They're, they're not going to be there anymore. Whether sure. usually like 30 feet you know if you're doing the basin crappies mm -hmm. usually crappies don't move but anything shallower than 15 feet the fish are spooking and they're moving but as if they were that there, auger goes through they're yeah they're gonna come back okay. though it's just how long it takes them to come back because they were there for a reason whether they they like a piece of structure you know there might be one single rock on the bottom that them fish are you know hovering to right um and, and they like that spot but they you know they'll be back around but as far as giving us a, a spot time, I would say an hour. You don't catch nothing an hour, pick up and move. Got and it. I have trouble telling myself that too because I like, <laughs> you know, I get set up in the shack, I get cameras rolling, we're fishing. I mean, it takes it takes me 30 minutes to set up. And then I'm like, oh man, now I'm there for another, you know, another hour and 30. And I'm I'm burning a day up really quick if I'm not on fish right now. Right. Absolutely. So, what all goes in for you when you're when you're filming your your ice fishing and stuff and even yep. when you're you know when it's in the summertime as well mm -hmm. what all goes into your setup when you're uh considering filming fish for folks who are trying to do their own filming oh boy as i look at all of my gear in front of me <laughs> um 
So I run, I used to run like just a standard GoPro, you know, mm -hmm. just like this is a GoPro here, all like seven or something. Yeah. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of freeze up issues with GoPros. Um, they would not work in the cold, even the newer ones. I had eights, nines, and I switched to, to DJI, you know, DJI makes awesome drones and their okay. action cam is by far the best one I've ever had. Um, comparing it just to GoPros that I've had. Um, but as far as like filming goes, I mean, I usually run a chest camera. Um, you know, I used to run a head cam, but mm -hmm. it seemed like I would miss a lot of fish. Like I'd be holding the fish up here, but my head camera would be pointing over here. Right. And it just, it, I could never make sure that it was perfect for the video that I you know wanted to produce. So right. I'd always, I'd, I switched to wearing a chest camera. I do have a mic system because, you know, you want to have good audio. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, you know, you run a, a typical GoPro that the GoPros off of these are, or the audio off of these is just kind of bassy and just not the greatest. But yeah. if you just want to get out and, and film it to share it, I mean, that's how I started was just, just, just start doing it, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. I like it. Work out the kinks as you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like it, man. What's the, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever caught through the eyes? Ooh, okay, so boy, oh boy. Um, well, I had to ask, I, man. I, I've <laughs> caught a lot of things. Like, I, I dropped my cell phone in 15 foot of water. I put the camera down there. I hooked onto the corner case and my cell phone got my phone back. I got uh, a, a pair of glasses. Uh, a guy dropped his glasses down the hole, dropped the camera down, dropped the treble hook, you know, a little spoon. I got his glasses back, filmed sure. both of those episodes. Uh, but as far as like a species of something that bit the hook and ate, um, Sydney, my wife, caught a mud puppy through the ice once. And that was really cool. It was a little, you know, little lizard salamander mud yeah. puppy. With, yeah. So she caught one of those. You know, I got no that was in on video. Like we were, we're always filming when we're out. Mm -hmm. So. That was uh that was two years ago now. She caught a mud puppy through the ice. We were jigging like, oh, down on bottom, it's a walleye, you know, it's coming in, it's coming in. And literally this thing's just like swimming across the bottom. And this is before live scope and stuff. Right. And that I had at least. And we just had, you know, the little hummingbird, you know, you can see the the her jig moving, you can see this thing coming up super slow, and she pulls up like a 10-inch mud puppy. But <laughs> it was it was pretty sweet. Otherwise, you know, I've caught, you know, bass that didn't have top lips like the derp bass they'd call them or sure. whatnot um i've never caught any cool like silver northerns or you know gotcha. gold crappies or anything like that 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 mm. they'll come um but yeah never really anything weird besides that mud puppy that mud puppy alone is pretty cool did that thing put up much of a fight <laughs> not really they're just kind of no. just you know, wet you know, sock yeah, yeah pretty much and you Dang. you'll see it on other ice fishing pages where people catch them too Mm -hmm. seems like they become more active or something or they're just moving along eating that dead bait up it's almost like uh like we don't have burbot in in the lakes over here it's almost right. like the burbot over here like the right time they come out they're roaming around yeah mm -hmm. that's exactly what came to mind there right when you said mud puppy i was like mud puppy mud yeah puppy. what's yep. a mud puppy again it's not a burbot yeah right, right. <laughs> that's super so, cool man basically a salamander i like it mm -hmm. i like that a lot well Man, we're coming up on. I think we've exceeded an hour here now. Holy smokes! I've learned a ton. Yeah, dude, it didn't. It felt like twenty minutes, man. Like, I, <laughs> yikes! I, 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 I must be making some dinner pretty quick here, <laughs> right? I'm in the same boat, man. 
Well, dude, b before we wrap up here, um, I mean, you've been talking about your videos, talking about, you know, all this stuff, like all every, pretty much every question I've asked you, I feel like you've said, yep, I've got a video about that, about this, about yeah. you know, X, Y, Z. Remind us again, where can folks go to find you? And if they want to do some fishing with you, how yeah. do they get in touch with you? So uh, basically on YouTube, you can type in Wisconsin Fisherman and that the channel is, it's a picture of my logo is a hook and the state of Wisconsin. So just look for logo. that. You'll find that. And then um, if you type in wisconsinfisherman.com, that's my website for guiding. And also I do have, I think I got a YouTube video or two on there where you can click through the website um, and get to the YouTube channel from there. But uh, yeah, so like I said, I, I have over, I want to say I have over like 400 or 500 videos on the YouTube and I don't know, 10 million views or however million views on the videos. And mm -hmm. I just, my goal is to keep growing the channel and keep sharing and, and, you know, keep putting content out for people to watch for just years to come and right. taking people fishing too in the summertime is, you know, if, if I can grow the channel big enough to where I don't have to guide in the summertime and I can start make filming summertime videos, that'd be super cool. And I do still film summertime videos. If I'm going to guide somebody, um, you know, I'll go out and film a scouting mission. Hey, we're right. scouting for crappies today. We got a guide tomorrow. And yeah boom, they're making sure they're still where they were even the week before, or if they moved a little bit. So yeah, I'm always filming, always, you know, open to take people fishing, you know, like I said, wisconsinfisherman.com. Awesome, man. And you're located, What? where's your, uh, your home range? Yeah, so up in uh, Washburn County, Sawyer County. Okay. So like Hayward over towards Long Lake, uh, everybody's heard of Grindstone, Lacoudere, mm -hmm. Round Lake, all the bigger lakes up here. I'll guide on any of those. Um, pretty typical breakdown of the lakes, you know, things like that. Awesome. Otherwise, if even if somebody doesn't uh, or like reaches out and says, hey, I live over here on this lake, I'll I'll I admit, hey, I've never fished that lake. But if you want me to come over and break it down and how I break it down, which I've done before and had phenomenal days, like just yeah. stupid, like it's just that you're always learning like, hey, I'm going to break down this lake with you. And uh, it, it, some sometimes it's, it's wild, man. That's such a great idea. That is such a great idea. Like if you're somebody who say you just bought a cabin or, yeah. you know, you, you know, yeah, maybe you've just been fishing this lake or you've had a family cabin up there, you know, you're in the I, area. I mean, that, yep. that would everybody be fishes so cool. differently. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, I, that's honestly one of my favorite parts of fishing, you know, favorite parts of guiding as well is just, you know, yeah. you get to see how other people do it. You can learn from each other and all yep. that. So folks, exactly. I know a lot of you guys are making trips up to, uh, the Hayward area, hit Kyle up. Don't leave him hanging. You're gonna learn a ton. Go check out the YouTube channel and uh, you bet. Kyle, watch some vids. Yes, watch some vids, like and subscribe. You know the drill. All that. <laughs> but Kyle, man, this was a blast. I learned a ton. I think everyone else did. Thank you so much for your time, man. Like, yeah, no, really not a problem. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, if you want to come out and do some trout fishing, we're gonna have we'll to make that happen. First fish through the ice. We'll make sure it's a trout. All right, we're we we are gonna. It's on. This is going live then. All right, we're, it's it's locked in. We're gonna have to make it happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll do that. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I appreciate it.
That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.